Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another good day, a day to worship you and honor you. Lord, as we continue to look at Scripture, Lord, by your word, by your truth, by your Holy Spirit, you be leading to us, speaking to us. God, our desire is that you would be glorified, that, that your kingdom would continue to expand here on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Um. So as you probably know, we're on a sermon series called Challenge Accepted, and what we're doing for the first half of the year um, is each month we are focusing in on what um, could classically be referred to as like a spiritual discipline, right? Now, um, we did talk a little bit about, I personally have some hesitation around the, 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 the term spiritual discipline because um, I think it can lead us into a place where we think that success is a disciplined lifestyle, right? Or success is, well, I have my routine and I do the same thing day after day, and so it, it's successful. But that's actually not the case. Um, the point of spiritual disciplines is to lead to change, personal change, life change, spiritual growth, that kind of thing. And so if there isn't change or growth, then whatever we're, our discipline is, it's not working, like something needs to be tweaked. So, but so each month we're focusing in or ha- on having a different emphasis. January was fasting, and then this week, the, or this month, the emphasis was messy prayers. And we titled it Messy Prayers because the emphasis was not so much on, hey, this is a nice, polished, clean thing. The emphasis was on, it's okay to like fumble your way into this. A- and wherever you're at, for you to kind of go to the next level, you're probably going to have to fumble your way into that. And so the emphasis is not on perfection. The emphasis is on, well, just do it, and it's okay to kind of fumble your way into it, right? Like we're, we're looking for growth and progression and that kind of thing. Um, and so for this month, it's been messy prayers. Um, but in working on that, part of understanding prayer and, and messy prayer really is, is an idea of our God as a personal God right? Because prayer is not a one-way event. Prayer is a two-way event, right? Like, this is not just me kind of babbling at the stars, right? Like, this is, this is a dialogue. This is a communication, a back and forth um, that, that takes place. And so really critical to understanding prayer and prayer, how it works and how I engage in prayer, is understanding that our God is, is a personal prayer. Now, it was, as is often the case, though, when I got into it, I realized that like, there's a lot of different ways that we could talk about this. Like, our God is a personal God. Like, a lot, like, Scripture has all this fantastic adoption analogy that is so rich and so good. And then you have sections where there's, like, encouragement to come before him freely and worship and praise. And then, and then there's encouragement or maybe even a command to, to cast all of our cares on him. And all is a big word because that means even the, the, the trifly little things, right? Like, not just the super important things. Like, all is all, and there's a lot that falls under the word all. And so casting all our cares upon him, and the whole fact that he became human, and the entire ministry of Jesus on earth, right? And just the multiple different ways that we see God communicating 
with people through scripture. And so this idea of God as a personal God is actually just saturated all throughout scriptures and expressed in all kinds of different ways, right? But then, it, so it's like, okay, all right. So there's a lot here. Like, Lord, what is it, what is it for us? What is it for today? What is it for, for this week? And I think for us to, to understand or to just reaffirm or just reestablish or make sure that we're all on the same page, that, that the understanding of God as a personal God is really built on the idea that we can have relationship with God. But even at a deeper level than that, to have relationship with God is really based on the idea of communication with God. And, and what does that look like, right? Um, a couple verses, just to kick this off, and I love these. John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, they follow me, I give them eternal life, that they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. How do we communicate with God? How does God communicate with us? Because at the end of the day, you really don't have a relationship with someone if you never talk with them. Right? Like, if, if you're never talking, you're really not having a relationship. Or at least not, not a healthy one, right? If God does not communicate to us in some capacity, and we're going to unpack this, if God does not communicate with us in some capacity, we really don't have a relationship with him, and, he, and he's really not a personal God. Now, as always, with all of this stuff, there's always a word of caution, or maybe not caution, but a word of balance on all of this, right? Because with all these different aspects and understanding of our God as a relationship with God, you can overemphasize one aspect and ignore the other aspect of it, and then it gets a little bit unhealthy, right? Because as much and as true as God is holy and God is, you know, refining fire and we fear the Lord and he is Lord of lords and kings of kings and he is worthy of respect and I mean, even his servants, angels, like when they visit people, people can't handle it, and they're always falling over as dead in Scripture, right? And there's even a verse that talks about if anyone looks at God, they, they do fall over as dead, right? And so, but if we only approach God with that, then God, we, we run the risk that God is fearful, that God is far away, and that God is not to be trifled with, okay? But then on the flip side, okay, you know, I mean, God, and this is all true, God is personable, and we come to him freely, and we cast all our cares on him, and, and he calls us friends, and there's all these family illustrations, and he is your father, right? But if we only emphasize that, then we run the risk of we kind of get into this, like, Jesus is my homeboy mentality that's just, like, void of respect and praise and, like, quick obedience, okay? So, today, I'm really going to push... God is a personal God, and relationship, and communication, and speaking, and God is a personal God. But you just need to know that if and when I do a sermon on God's wrath, and God is to be feared, and great and mighty, just know that both sermons can be equally true at the same time. We're good? Okay, so, I want to start off with these scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, 
for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. First and foremost, you need to know, and I think most of us would agree on this, but just to know and to recognize that God communicates to you and I through Scripture. Scripture is the plumb line, right? It is the standard by which all else is judged. We believe all of Scripture is true, all of Scripture fits together, and if two stories or two verses or two things in Scripture don't seem to fit or don't seem to, to connect together, we just assume that the fault is in our understanding and not in Scripture because there's some other piece to this that we don't understand yet that makes it fit together. Okay, I've, I gave this example once before. Um, if I, and I can do this with like a, a, a tube or a marker or whatever else or something like that, right? I bring in a group of people and I show you this object here and I say two-dimensionally, what is this? And you look at it and you go, that's a rectangle. Okay, so then I dismiss you and I bring in another group of people and then I go like this and I say two-dimensionally, what is this? And they say, well, that's a circle. And then everyone goes and they write down. And so one person says, we saw a rectangle. And the other person says, we saw a circle. And then someone else goes, well, one of you must be wrong because a circle and a rectangle in two dimensions cannot coexist. It's impossible. But if I had the third dimension, the rectangle and the circle can coexist in the shape of a two. Right? And so in two dimension, you have two things that are not true and don't fit. But you had the third dimension, and you go, oh, that works, right? Sometimes scripture is like that, where we just need that, that third dimension, and maybe some of it's available here on earth, and maybe some of it we get in heaven, but there comes a point where we're like, oh, I get it now. It does fit. Where am I? I flipped too many pages. Excellent. Okay, um, if you have ever read through Scripture and you have felt or experienced conviction, inspiration, joy, healing, resolution, that's the Holy Spirit of God communicating to you through the written word. There was, I just learned this a couple weeks ago. This, this was very startling. Startling is a polite word. There was actually an era in church history, prior to the Reformation, where kind of the Catholic Church was your only option, um, where there was actually a season where it was illegal to read Scripture on your own. Um, in 1199, Pope Innocent III, writing a letter to the Bishop of Metz, banned the reading, uh, reading the Bible in private meetings. Mind-boggling to me, right? When the printing press was invented, the first thing they printed was the Bible. And now people had scripture for their own, and they could read it on their own, and they could begin to understand and study the character of God on their own, right? And so, like in our denominational history, when the Anabaptists come along, everyone being able to read for themselves was a big deal, a really big deal, right? And so, and even for us today, that's a really high value for us, right? Like back in the day, one of the nicknames was people of the book. This is important to us. God speaks and communicates through scripture. Um, even just personal examples, right? Like 
for me, there is, like, there's reading scripture where it's just, like, reading, like, learning, like, reading a story, or just to learn, or there's lots of ideas and concepts, right, and things to idea, but then there's also reading and asking, right, where it's like, Lord, what are you wanting to speak to me, and so then that's a slower, more thoughtful, and meditative, and I'm looking for words or ideas that kind of seem to pop out of the page at me, and really kind of, you know, trying to be in tune to the Holy Spirit in that, and then there's reading scripture in regards to sermon prep, and so then it's like, Lord, what do you want to communicate to these people, and, and what is it for this week, and so reading scripture on behalf of someone else, and so even in reading, there's multiple different ways to read, okay, so that's the first one. Second one, the way that God communicates to us. Romans 1 tells us that God's attributes have been written in nature so that no one was without excuse. Romans 1, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Psalms 127 has a great couple verses that unless God is working, like our labor is in vain. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor it build in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Second idea that God communicates to us is as we look and we listen to God at work around us. Um, a few years ago, we, we rebranded, right? And that included a renaming of the church. Leading up to that, a few different people approached me, and they're like, hey, are we ever going to maybe like rename the church? And then stories start popping up of just where, where the name Mennonite Brethren kind of created more of a, a barrier than, than a bridge, or it was creating confusion. And I'm picking up on these different stories and I start to wonder, like, is God, like, bringing something up here, right? And it's like, it was like God's activity just kind of started to bubble up all around us, but it was centered around a, a theme or an idea or, or a purpose, right? Even the sermon series that, we be, that, that we're on right now, Joanne listens to a podcast. Hey, here's a great podcast. You should listen to this podcast. I'm like, that's a great podcast. I get the book, and I read the book, and I'm like, hey, these are great ideas. Meanwhile, I randomly but not randomly in, in hindsight, um, grab a book off the shelf and, you know, we're going to look at this, you know, for a leadership team. But then there's these overlapping ideas between the two books. And then I'm like, hey, what if we did this? And then Carla walks into my office and she's like, I got this idea. What if we do this, right? And it's the exact same thing, right? She didn't say it like that, but, you know. But God is facilitating. God is like percolating up this stuff all around us. There's two great questions that are so good. What is God doing and how am I responding? Just every so often, just whip those out and ask yourself that. What is God doing? How am I responding, right? Rather than start with like, here's what I want to do. Start with like, where do I see God already at, at work? And how do I step into that? Third way that, that we're going to cover that God communicates to us. Ephesians 1, we talked about this one last week. This is in a prayer that Paul writes. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, 
Here's the phrase that for today to focus on. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know. Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the word of uh, the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And, and that's the, the, the parable of the, the sower and the seeds and that kind of thing. What's interesting, though, is that we read how that the word of God was sown or planted or distributed or given to his heart. So a third idea for today, that the word of God communicate that God communicates to us by speaking or communicating to our hearts. Now, again, when we talk about heart, right, we're talking about the inner man. We're talking about the core of who you are, right? The part that makes all the, the decisions, okay? Oftentimes in, t- in today's culture, when we use the word heart, we really are referencing our emotions. This is much deeper, broader than that. When scripture talks about heart, It's that core of the inner man. It includes emotions, but is not limited to emotions. This one is really hard to explain. Um, And it's, yeah, because I think it has the danger of sounding overly emotional or or really kind of wishy-washy. But at the same time, as I was reflecting on on this one, for me, like, like this is so prevalent, so prevalent, that it has to be addressed. Um, and I believe that if you listen to the stories around you, all of us are doing this, we're just describing it differently. Like this, this, is, this is all around us, all the time. We just, I think we sometimes label it differently. This morning, I've been very careful, or tried to be careful, to talk about God communicating. Because if I say God speaking, you think words. And sometimes God speaks in words. But sometimes not. Um, There have been times where I have been, like I've done listening, or I've done a listening exercise, or that kind of thing, and I've gotten specific words, powerful, very, very powerful, right? Um, And I have seen people weep because God gave them specific words, simple words, right? It's like, I love you, or I'm proud of you, or you don't have to be perfect, or all these other kinds of things, right? And, and things that you and I could say to them, and they would smile, and they would nod, and they would say yes, but inwardly they wouldn't really believe us. But then when God speaks it to them, though, just come undone. Undone. It's amazing. So sometimes God speaks in words. But sometimes... It's a sense, um, it's a hesitation, um, like a, a caution. Perhaps it's a sense of like green light or, or a sense of permission to move forward. Maybe it's a sense of peace. Um, maybe it's a sense of urgency that this needs to happen now and you don't have words for it. But you're also aware that there is something, and for me it's, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it sometimes, but it's just... There's just something in that inner man that is, that is going off, positive or negative. And that can still be God communicating to us. This one is really hard to teach from the pulpit because really this one needs more like one-on-one mentoring. I mean, I need to address it from the pulpit, but it's really hard to teach from the pulpit. Um, because, and, and again, kind of a word of caution on this, because as much as I want you to know and believe that God will speak to your heart, 
the caution on this too is that I don't want you to leave here thinking that just any kind of unfiltered, raw, unchecked, sin-laden emotion um, is, is God speaking to you. Because sometimes it's not. Sometimes that's just an unfiltered, unchecked, sin-laden emotion that's just getting in the way with life, right? I believe that this one is absolutely true. I believe that God speaks just through heart. Um, I believe some of the most inspirational men and women that I've encountered are, are really good at this, uh, but it's also just really hard to teach from the, the pulpit. Um, I will share this, too, just to be vulnerable. Uh, one of the things that I have learned in my life is that when there's a strong sense of the Spirit moving, like, I start to cry and tears come to my eyes. And I really wish I got something other than tears, but that's what I got. Um, and it's not necessarily even because I'm sad. It's just like that is how my body is reacting to a stronger than normal presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I would also say this, that that has happened enough that now that's a cue to me to pay special attention like what is happening right now. Like if I'm in a moment, right, and like the saline starts to accumulate, it's kind of a cue to be like, oh, like what is happening? And is this the Holy Spirit moving? Or not. Maybe it's just unchecked, raw, filtered emotion. But is there something going on, right? Like it, it it's kind of a, 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 it like puts up my antennas. A lot we could unpack on this one. We're going to move on. Fourth way that I want to talk about that God communicates to us. Great story. Mark 1, 32. Um, that evening at sundown, they brought to him, this is Jesus, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city gathered at the door, which is probably a lot of people. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee and preached in their synagogues and casting out demons. So Jesus has a very full, busy ministry evening, right? Whole town showed up. That's a lot. Um... He gets up in the morning before everyone else, and he finds solitude, and he prays. The disciples look for him. They have no idea where he's at. They look for him. They find him, and you, you have a sense that they're kind of agitated. And Jesus responds with clarity, understanding of purpose, direction, vision, like, he is not at all distracted by the ministry success that happened last night. He has clear understanding, this is the direction we go. Similar story, Luke six twelve. In these days, um, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. So Jesus needs to make a pretty big decision. It suggests that there were quite a few people following him. Jesus needs to call out 12. 
This is going to be a very special group. So Jesus, who is God, pulls an all-nighter in prayer, silence and solitude, and in the morning, he has names. God will sometimes communicate to you through times of silence and solitude. Um, mark your calendars, May 21 and 22. That's actually a Sunday to a Monday. We're going to do a spiritual retreat. Um, there is a great facility up by Schuyler, Nebraska, um, St. Benedictine Center. We're going to use that. The leadership team has gone there before for some meetings. Um, very nice facility. We're going to facilitate something there. It's going to run about 24 hours. We'll start Sunday mid-afternoon. We'll wrap up Monday um, with enough time for you to come back and get the kids from school, for those of you that have kids in school. Um, we did a lot of these in Ab Abbotsford. These were a staple for us at Trek Training. We actually, all the participants, we had them do a 48-hour silent retreat. Um, this will not be a silent retreat, although it's kind of like it. Um, uh, it will be guided. I'll have some readings, some reflection exercises, like we'll come together at meals and other scheduled times. We're not fasting, okay? We're going to intentionally eat well. They have good food there. Um, this is not rigorous. This is peaceful. This is relaxing. Oftentimes, one of the first things that happens when people do one of these is that they sleep. And that is good and okay. Um, we are a tired people. Uh, we are a t tired society. And so if you are tired, take a nap. And if it's hard to stay awake, don't. Like, grab a nap. Um, eventually your body will catch up to sleep or at least enough to get you through the weekend and you will be able to focus in on the experience or the reading or that kind of thing this is you and jesus and church um, your bible and your journal are the only books that you're allowed to bring and read we're just going to focus on that um, our lives are so filled with noise um, noisy thoughts, noisy conversations. Social media has created this whole other kind of noise that just, just fills our lives. And every so often, to just tune all of that out is healthy. Now, I will warn you, though, that the first bit of tuning all that out often feels like awkward and weird and unsettling. And you almost kind of have to go through like a noise detox phase for a few hours or a day or something like that. But once you get past that, it's actually a really good place. And we're not going to force anything, and we're not going to demand anything, but we're just going to make ourselves available and say, you know, spend some time reading, Lord, anything that you would want to share with me, and just journal thoughts, right? Write down thoughts. Go on walks, that kind of thing. Um, the Message Bible is a very, very thought-for-thought thought translation. Some pros and cons to that. Um, but it has one, one section that is so poetic. Uh, and I love this. Matthew 11, verse 28. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this next line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll live to learn freely and lightly. 
sometimes God will communicate to you through times of silence and solitude. Last one for today. Um, we see this in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets, teachers, Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, um, Aeneon, lifelong friend of Herod, and Tetrarch Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Other examples of this in Scripture, but the idea is that God will communicate to you and I through community. Um, for the past six years, I've been on our, our USMB board, um, two years as chair, two more to go. Uh, there are some very smart, wise, insightful people around the table. Uh, sometimes we have to deal with difficult matters that are just hard, right? Because if they were easy, someone else would have dealt with them. But here we are having to figure them out. In times like that, my job is not to, like, lead the charge. My job is to extract the wisdom from all the people sitting around that table. Now, some of them are talkers. It's not hard, right? Like, they just need a little bit of an open door, and they go. Other people are a lot more quiet, and you really kind of got to work to draw it out of them. But the expectation is that God is going to speak to us in community, right? Um, even in my personal life, if I have a difficult decision to make, I ask a lot of people, and you kind of filter through that. Now, again, there's a, a caution or a caveat on that, and that is that be sure to listen to people who listen to Jesus, because not everyone in your life should be listened to, but you probably know that. I mentioned earlier how for the Reformation and the Anabaptists and being able to read Scripture for themselves was such a big deal. The second part of that, though, was that discerning the meaning of Scripture in community was huge. Because they were coming out of an environment where leadership, whether it's the Pope or the priest, like he, he told you and that was it and it couldn't be challenged. So the idea of the priesthood of all believers, like, like that was big. That was very big. And, and again, for us today, that remains a very large part um, just of our, our culture and, and our de denomination that everyone is able to contribute to the discussion. And actually, you know, understanding Scripture is more about character and spiritual maturity and really has nothing to do with title or position. Like, those are the things that, that are significant in discerning Scripture and community. Um, I don't know if, you, you know, Discovery Channel or Nature Channel or something like, right, one of these nature channels. Which zebra gets eaten first? It's always the one they can isolate, right? Oftentimes it's like the young, the sick, the old, or something like that, right? But that's secondary. You watch in nature, the zebra that dies first is always the one that the enemy can isolate. Um, and we are no different. We need community, right? Good, godly, listen to Jesus, community, because we're believing that God speaks to us through community. I can talk about, and there's others that we could cover. This is just what we're covering for today. Um, I could talk about these for days, 
and days and days and days. But until you either experience it or more likely come to the recognition that this has actually already happened in your life, um, you'll have a hard time believing it, but actually even more than that, this will probably frustrate you. Now here's the thing. If we sit down and talk long enough, almost guaranteed I can find every single one of these in your life. Almost guaranteed. So the, the question isn't really whether or not it's happened, it's whether or not that you've recognized that it happened. Um, and, and spending some of that time in reflection and, and learning that and, and recognizing that. So there, like, there is perhaps some work on your part coming out of this to work on these, to reflect on these, and maybe you need a friend or someone else to help you, you recognize just when this has happened in your life, which actually would be the fifth one of God speaking to you in community, which kind of proves the point. Is God personal? Yes. Um, and the examples of that are saturated all throughout Scripture. God is relational. He is relational towards you. And he's relational towards you because he communicates to you through all different kinds of methods. Scripture is the plumb line, but he utilizes all these different ways. And sometimes it's words and sometimes it's not. But it's still the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life and putting impressions on your life. And all of this out of his love for you and a desire for a deeper relationship with you. Amen. Let's pray. And then we'll worship some more music. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for scripture. We thank you that it's true. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, and for those that have said yes to you, that the Holy Spirit lives within us and will guide and speak and, and lead us. Father, our desire and my prayer for every person here is that we go deeper in that relationship with you that we go deeper in that communication with you, that we go deeper in speaking to you, that we go deeper in hearing from you. God, thank you that you are so relational and so personal. Like it just, it just sets the standard. God, we love you and we worship you. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.